0: Keyshawn, J Will and Zubin the podcast
1: Wild Wild West the Wild Wild National League Championship series where the best team in the NL West for the last 8 years
2: may the best team win
1: We'll find out tomorrow. It's either going to be the Rays or the Dodgers. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. It is fall classic time. It's October. The weather's turning a little bit different. The Dodgers perhaps turning their luck, looking for that first world title since 88. The Rays looking for their first world championship ever. The Tampa Bay Rays, for the first 10 years of their existence, every single year, under 500. Then something changed. It's Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll talk plenty of baseball with our Jessica Mendoza coming up at the bottom of the hour, but I want to talk baseball with the fellows. One guy in particular. You can talk about Seeger, NLCS MVP, with everything he did the five home runs, the 11 RBI. You can talk about the Rays bullpen and how they shut down the Astros Saturday night to win the pennant yet again. But it's October 20th, game one of the World Series tomorrow. I want you to flashback Key. October 14th of 2014, the Dodgers make a transaction that most fans won't think about. Nobody's walking around with Friedman written on the back of their jersey like Kershaw. But Andrew Friedman is the vice president, executive vice president of the Dodgers, their GM. He took over in 2014. Since then, the results speak for themselves. From 2006 to 2014, so right before he came to the Dodgers, he was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, four Mm. playoff appearances excuse me, four playoff appearances, two divisions, one World Series appearance. So here we go. He does more with less for the Rays, and he's essentially built the atmosphere that we can win, little engine that could, goes to the Dodgers, and now is allowed to do more with more. You can talk about Kershaw. You can talk about all these guys tomorrow, but Andrew Friedman helped build the Tampa Bay Rays, left, helped to try to get the Dodgers over the top, one guy, two teams, one fall classic. What a moment for him.
2: Well, it, it is a big moment for him, but clearly he knows how to do his job, whether it's the the deep pocket Dodgers or the less spinning that the, the different organizations have a different formula for success. And, and, you know, the Dodgers historically have always been a great farm system, uh, but they continue to keep building through their farm system. We don't make a whole lot of... Trades. We don't make a whole lot of free agent signings, but when since Freeman's taken over, I think Mookie Betts is the first big money guy that the Dodgers have spent on. We talked about the Machado's. Oh well, we traded for him on an expiring contract. Will we extend him and give him more money? They decided to move on. Keep Seager at short. Keep JT at third. Uh, we we flirted with the the opportunity to maybe sign Bryce Harper. We offered some numbers he didn't like. We moved on from that with the plans all alone to, to maybe go get a guy like Mookie Betts in the trade, but didn't know if we would be able to sign him long-term, they obviously got that deal done. Uh, I, I just think that Freeman knows. when When clubs have come to the Dodgers and tried to poach some of our young talent in trades, we've given away guys that are okay, but none of the Cody Bellingers. Four years ago, five years ago, Cody Bellinger – could have been a guy that we probably could have got a Justin Verlander for or something alone, but we held on to that and we passed on those guys, and we're still in the position that we wanted to be in, which was again being in a World Series.
1: And Jay, that's something your Yankees have done. It's not easy, what Key just said, to be able to spend at that clip win at that clip, yet have a replenished farm system. Oftentimes you have to give those guys up to get the stars yeah. that can get yes. you over the top. That's something Brian Cashman said, too. We're keeping our farm system intact, but we're still trying to win now. That's a very difficult balance.
0: I I also want to give context to like how fine of a line it is, right? Because if we were sitting up here and the Braves had made it to the World Series against the Rays, Key would have been imploding.
2: But right? it, we're I, not I, doing I, that. I, I,
0: I understand that, right? But it's like just how the narrative – and sometimes there's there's your guys come through for you and that's what I give the Dodgers a lot of credit for. I mean, they came through. They came through. Bellinger came through. Finally. It doesn't matter finally. <laughs> See, that's that's what I'm talking finally. about. Though, right there, right? Like that's the fan saying, Where have you been the whole year? And all of a sudden he comes through and all of a sudden Friedman now, like, yeah, well, this is what he's been planning for. We knew it. So it's just interesting how that narrative, if you win. It just makes the world of but a difference. But the Dodgers
2: have been the best best baseball team all season long. I understand. So it's not necessarily a narrative. They got down in the NLCS. Uh, yeah, you know, CS, they got down in the DSCS. But a lot um, of people are
0: also, key talking about their bullpen not being as great, right?
2: The, well, the bullpen, with- the bullpen has struggled. And the, the, the back end of our bullpen and Kenley Jansen has scared us to death. There's game no six, he was great, though. And yeah, that's been an the Andrew
0: Freeman situation. But in right? game He's
2: six, he did his job. But he still scares us. It's not, doesn't mean, doesn't mean that he's not doing his job. He scares us. That's all I'm saying. He'll scare us
0: tomorrow night. The roller coaster ride that fans have where they deem somebody, he's incredible. We always knew he was going to do this, as opposed to if they lose, it's just so, it's so. And then if they lose, then we
2: say, yeah, we knew he would give up the home run. Get him out. That's the reality of
1: it, Jay. Step back from your reality for a second. The kid that was on on the mound for the Rays Saturday night to clinch it and take care of the Astros. That kid had come back from two Tommy John surgeries. He is such a typical Rays sort of player. You look up and down the lineup. You look at a guy like Blake Snell, one of the best pitchers in baseball. I don't think a lot of people have any idea who he is. The guy's a Cy Young winner. When you look at the way they're constructed, I know the Dodgers have always been built one way, but Mm -hmm. when you look at the opposition and say, you mentioned it earlier. One team flies, one team drives. They both get there. The Rays have gotten there on the stingiest of budgets and using the exact opposite formula from the Dodgers. I know you're hardcore L.A., but do you at least admire the way that the Rays have done this?
2: Of course you do. You always admire how teams have success, whether it's spending big money or not. It's the coaching. It's the talent evaluating. It's understanding what that organization is and how they go about Doing things. Andrew Freeman left something in place and whoever took over decided that this is how we're going to run it. The Braves, the Braves, the Rays have never been an organization that has spent money. They've never been an organization since the existing. Even when I was playing in Tampa, they were always the bottom feeders, so to speak, right. but always had success at doing that. Why change? The Yankees will never change. The Dodgers will never change. They're going to spend money because One, it's New York, it's L.A., and that's how they always won.
0: I look forward to a lot of Dick Vitale on our line. (laughs) Think about what we have for the World Series. Now we have Dick Vitale. One of the biggest Tampa Bay Rays fans there is. He's been talking about the Rays forever against Keyshawn Johnson. That is the battle of all battles.
1: Yes, Dick uh, lives down there in Sarasota, right outside of Tampa, Florida. And he is always, if you see back in the old days when fans were at games, you would always see Dick sometimes Uh sitting behind home plate. He is a true blue fan. Dick Vitale is going to join us on the show this week. We'll see if it's a Rays lead or a Dodger lead. And who's going to have the bragging rights between Key and Dickie V?
2: I'll have it. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I don't have it. It's 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 meant to be, right? I mean, this this is how I feel. I it's feel destiny. like it's it's there. This is what the calling is. This is why we're in the championship this year. We're not in the championship for heartbreak. We wanted the drama, Well, we actually didn't want the drama. But <laughs> once <laughs> the drama came, we accepted What's LA it. without some the drama. The seven games. You know, the 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 greatest pitcher of his era and Kershaw getting. Uh, 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 just shellac the other night. I mean, all of those sort of things the build up. Then you go back to the narrative of what if the Astros two, three years ago cheated us out of our World Series? Now we're here. They're not. I mean, we want that.
0: I mean, this could be the swing vote, right? If LA, if, <laughs> if, if LA wins this, then LA basketball championship, baseball championship. If Tampa Bay wins this, you got you know Stanley Cup, and then you have World Series, yeah. and then potentially. A Super
2: Bowl in Tampa Bay as
1: well. Super Bowl 55. You got the swing no vote No team a... has
2: ever won a Super Bowl in their own, st- own state in, in stadium. So
1: it'll be 55. Tom Brady 11 opportunity to do it oh, at wow. Raymond James Stadium. So we got the swing vote on October 20th tomorrow and, of course, a swing vote on November 3rd. Let's move on. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. The Dodgers at 16 home runs in the NLCS. Five by Seager. Proof the Rays pitching is going to need to be on point in the World Series. Proof is brought to you by Penzoil. Penzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. Gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Penzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Much more baseball talk with ESPN baseball analyst Jessica Mendoza in 21 minutes. But as Jay said, could be a great trifecta for the Bay down there. Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. Keys point. Maybe, maybe just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing Super Bowl 55 in their home stadium. Something that's never happened in NFL history. They look good yesterday. Early returns are good. They're 4-2, wiping away the bad smell of that loss to the Bears where Brady got confused yesterday. Let's be honest. It wasn't Brady that was confused. It was Aaron Rodgers that was. Had no protection and said, even though this is our first loss of the season and we had 38 unanswered scored on us, this wasn't the worst thing in the world.
2: I felt like we needed a
3: little bit of a wake-up call at some point this season uh, because things have been so good and there's been so much talk maybe outside the building about the ease which with, with which we're you know moving the ball on offense and scoring. You know, I think we need to kind of a kick in the ass a little bit as, as a little bit of a wake up to, uh, you know, stop feeling ourselves so much and get back to the things that got us this position.
1: What do you make of the last five seconds of that?
2: Well, I mean, he's, he's right. You, every now and then you do need a little bit of a wake up call. You start feeling yourself at four and O oh and you got a chance to go five and oh and then all of a sudden you just think that you're invincible and, you ran up against a real defensive machine that wasn't playing with you with Ty Bowles and one of the things that he's been able to do since going to Tampa becoming the defensive coordinator. You could see that Tampa Bay's defense was starting to come last year. You could see what Ty Bowles was implementing certain schemes and situations, and I said it beginning of the year, the one thing that Tampa Bay has in its favor is a quarterback that's not going to necessarily turn the ball, the ball over at record pace. And so there you go. You don't turn the ball over. You play defense. You run the ball well. And every now and then, that quarterback hits a few shots, you're going to win football games.
0: You know what I love about Aaron Rodgers, aaron, the accountability, right? It's owning it, saying, hey, look, this is the first time I've obviously turned the ball over this season to INTs. I didn't play well. Our team didn't play well. But still, Key, I think that sets such a great example about sometimes speaking out and owning things and saying, we thought we were better than what we were maybe. And it just wasn't a kick in the ass for his team. I think it was also a kick in the ass for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's something that he also accepts, and I think that's what you want from leadership.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Yeah, I, you know? I look at it as I think Green Bay will be fine. I'm not, like, over-panicked about them. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm They've not. got to correct some stuff. But I also am going to give a lot of credit to Ty Bowles and that defense. Going into the game, I felt like that defense was going to be key for them to win the game. I didn't think Tom Brady. If you if you listen to the show, if you pay attention to the show, I simply said that Tom Brady is going to have to do just enough. But it's all about that defense and running the football, and that's how they come out on top. You apply the pressure to Aaron Rodgers, get him off his mark, don't allow him to just sit back there all day long and pick his poison. You get after of him, and that's what they did.
0: Okay, I'm talking about a lot of times. And I understand what you're saying. You expect Green Bay to be fine. But a lot of times within sports, throughout the marathon of a season, there are games within games, right? Like, I don't know how you guys did in football. I know in basketball we would do it like in three, four-game increments. Like, mm-hmm. hey, okay, like these four games, what's our record in these four games? How do we get through the four games? You know, and I think for Green Bay still owning this game, even though they will be fine because I think they have a favorable schedule, still like sometimes a loss like this could get your team's attention.
2: Yeah, no, it will. It'll certainly get their attention. You win a quarter of a season. You just want to win each quarter. There's four quarters in a season. You want to win each one. You don't want to be 500 in them. And you don't want to be below 500. You want to win each quarter, whether it's 4-0, and 3-1 in those quarters. That's where you want to be.
1: One thing that I think hasn't been talked about, and this will be the last word on this because we'll get plenty more Brady talk, I have a feeling, throughout the course of the season and Aaron Rodgers talk. Think about this. For all the hiring practices, all the things we've talked about, the Eric B. enemies, the getting more diversity in the coaching ranks, think about this if the Bucks play great football the rest of the way, and there's no reason to think they won't if Tom Brady stays upright, obviously at this particular juncture, you could easily, easily be in a scenario where Tampa's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator both get looks for head coaching jobs. And the reason I bring that up is they're both African-American. Todd Bowles, former Jets head coach, defensive mastermind. Obviously, his reputation is flourishing right now. And Byron Leftwich, the old quarterback who you might remember if you're of age, the kid from Marshall, played for Jacksonville for a long time. The large
2: Gary Coleman, as we like to call him.
1: (laughs) Once again, you can say that. I can't. You can say that. I can't. Shout out to Todd Bridges. Shout out to Todd Bridges. Okay, now. When did you start calling
0: him that? Is that always whoa, been a, whoa, Okay, ago, okay. Yeah, you got to no, tell me how that nickname came up.
1: Mr. Drummond coming up on the Shell Pennzoil performance, if you're old enough for that <laughs> reference. Okay, most of you are not. Uh, but I will say that could be a great opportunity for both Byron Leftwich yeah. and Todd Bowles. That could be great as the NFL looks to It,
2: it is going to be great. It, it, you know why? Because if if many, for many guys that have held, a uh, uh, hit behind Peyton Manning and got jobs, Byron Lefferts can hide behind Tom Brady and certainly get a job because he's deserving of it. He knows how to coach. Now the opportunity presents itself. I got a quarterback that is older. We're winning games. I'm calling plays. Yeah, man. Now I need a job. We'll see what happens. He shouldn't have any problems hiring him. Why are you laughing, Jay?
0: This, this is this is shocking. He really does look like Gary Coleman straight up in the face. He looks just like him. He's a
1: big Gary Coleman. I never, I never put that analogy together. Yeah, well. Folks, if you love football, look, I mean, it's different strokes for different folks. So you might like the NFL. You, there you might go,
2: like, <laughs> Z, I like it.
1: college football. So we got two NFL assistants to keep in mind. And Alabama's got three deadly guys at the wide receiver position. Ooh. As Georgia found out the hard way Saturday night. Mack looks right. Pressure's coming. He'll throw long.
4: Waddles got it behind the defense. Leaves the DB on the ground. There you go. Yes. Who you get 90. Campbell
1: wondering what happened to Jalen Waddle as he left him behind for the touchdown. Mac Jones to Jalen Waddle from the legendary voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold on Learfield IMG College. There to see it was college game day's Tom Rinaldi. We welcome him in on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And the last time we talked to Tom essentially was late last week. Nick Saban had just tested positive. Tom was in the room with him. And then we saw everything that happened over the following days where Saban essentially tested negative enough to actually coach in the game Saturday night, as all of you know, in that big win over Georgia. Good morning, Tom. Can you kind of take us through the moments that you had or were involved with the Crimson Tide program where Saban goes from having that test to getting back on the field to coaching the game, to getting the win with you there in T-Town to see it?
5: Can I just begin by acknowledging you are absolutely right. There are many things Keith can say that the rest of us cannot. I, I think that's been proven over a long course of time. Um, I, so I am firmly in agreement with you on that. It, it, it was a wild week, obviously, last week from Wednesday um, being with him in the the adjacent staff room to his office when the door opened and and Jeff Allen uh, popped in, ushered Coates out, and we then knew what happened. He left the facility immediately told that he had tested positive. Over the next three days, five separate tests to two different labs, all while 240 other tests given to players and staff had come back negative, Saban, tested negative, it it turned out, on Thursday morning, negative on Friday morning, from two tests each day to different labs, and then he finds out at right around 1230 that the last test he's taken early Saturday morning, which was flown to a lab in Mobile, to you know, the SEC lab there, following all SEC protocols that also come back negative. He gets that news. He makes a beeline right to the team hotel, which is across the street from the football building in Tuscaloosa on campus and essentially begins to rejoin meetings immediately. You heard Mac Jones, the quarterback for the Tide, say they're sitting in their quarterback meeting in a small breakout room, and in walks Coach Saban. And he felt like it electrified the room. We heard the same comments of Dylan Moses, uh, one of the defensive leaders for the Tide. And, you know, listen, this isn't Willis Reed emerging from the shadows. We understand that. But to see Saban come back to the team, all the players said and the rest of the staff said certainly gave them a surge of confidence and, and a bolt of inspiration, and they played that way.
2: Tom Ronaldi, ESPN reporter, joined us on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. We all obviously thought that Sabin wouldn't be able to coach on Saturday night, but after three consecutive uh, negative tests, he was on the sidelines – what was you? You're so close to Saban. Like, what was the stress level like leading up to him getting the final word on whether or not he would be able to coach?
5: A couple of things, Key. So specifically, I think the fact that he remained asymptomatic from the very beginning. Uh, I think Saban had. I know from from a source certainly that he had. He had a belief that it was going to be a false positive because he never showed any symptoms as the week continued to go on, whereas Athletic Director Greg Byrne, the only other person to test positive, did. And obviously we sent out good thoughts to Greg Byrne. He said just the, the other night that, quote, he, he's feeling good, which is good because he, he did show a mild fever and some other symptoms. So that's part one. But part two is that any time there is a lot of turbulence or a big challenge, I think you see Sabin with – a a really impressive degree of calm. He remained involved in every single thing that the team did in its preparation. We've talked about the fact that he patched in for a video feed from a high camera angle. He was on a cell phone with staffers asking drills to be redone or so that a player could hear his voice during practice and during the run-ups. And, obviously, he was part of Zoom meetings throughout. So, he was plugged in, and he remained hopeful that he'd be able to rejoin the team. And when he got that message back, that it was negative at 1230 Saturday, a state trooper escorted him right to the team hotel, and he was back.
0: Tom, Kentucky alum and former NBA player Rex Chapman tweeted out that it was a terrible message for Nick Saban to coach. Uh, Was there any reason for Saban not to coach? Was this a terrible message? I mean, it's... How do you even put that into context?
5: Well, I I think Reese Davis, uh, we had Coach Saban on college game day with us from his house um, on a video call. And I thought Reese asked him a terrific question, essentially in a different way of raising that issue that the Chapman does, again, with different language, essentially saying, listen, even if you do get these tests back, is there some thought that perhaps you would put the team first and out of an abundance of caution not rejoin them? And Sabin brought up the fact, Jay, that, again, there were 240 tests over Thursday and then on Friday throughout the players and staff that all came back negative. Mm. And that Sabin had been tested negative Monday when he was around the team and practicing on Tuesday around the team and practicing, on Thursday through two tests, Friday through two tests, and again Saturday morning. So I think he felt through the SEC protocols that the program was following and through secondary tests the school was issuing, he felt confident. And as a result, that's why he rejoined the team. Tom,
2: let me ask you this. Was this game going to go on whether he was going to coach or not or were they going to postpone it?
5: No, it was going to go on, Key, no question, because, and we tried to to really emphasize this in our reporting through, that when we did find out um, through a team source that the last SEC test, the last SEC mandated test, SEC has three tests a week, Key, for all the players in the conference. They're Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. When that last test of the week, Thursday morning, came back and No one else had tested positive, no one on the roster and no other staff members. It became clear that whether this was in fact a positive or not for Coach Saban, the game was going to go on. And Saban was certainly planning and operating in that mode while remaining hopeful because he was asymptomatic that he could return to the sideline. And he did. Mm.
1: How about that? That 240 number is a gigantic number, a gigantic weekend for the Big Ten. It is back this weekend, college game day from Minnesota for the Wolverines and the Golden Gophers. Tom and the gang, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. And if you can't wait for the Big Ten for Saturday, Illinois and Wisconsin will get you going Friday night. Tom, thank you so much, and we'll see you Saturday in Minnesota.
5: You keep talking and the rest of us, we're, we're going to take the safe tack. We're going to be
0: listening. <laughs> no, 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 Tom, no.
1: That's ESPN's Tom Rinaldi. Of course, we'll see him at the Masters next month as well. He's yes. got a great, great few weeks on tap. One of the best we have here, the great Tom Rinaldi. Still to come, oh boy, the Rays have one extra day to get ready for the World Series as opposed to the Dodgers. Our Jessica Mendoza on why that one day is so crucial? for Tampa's pitching staff.
0: Chishon, Jay, Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Passion,
4: drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more.
6: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: The Elias Sports Bureau always comes up with these great, crazy statistics. Tell your buddy this on the Zoom call today. I'd say it's at the water cooler, but since nobody's going to work, do it on the Zoom call when you line up today. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, the city of the NBA champion, Los Angeles, Keys Lakers, Mm -hmm. has never played the city of the Stanley Cup champion, that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning, in the World Series, it's never happened. NBA Champion City, NHL Champion City, until now. With the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays, That's Incredible is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a better life.
2: That was life. a real deep dig right there, right? Yeah, <laughs> real... Y'all had to dig deep to find that one.
1: <laughs> no doubt about it. It certainly, certainly is interesting. We'll see what ends up happening starting tomorrow night, Game 1 of the World Series. One of the craziest plays. Game 7 is just known in any sport for just zaniness, People lose their minds. Crazy things happen. That's why we love sports so much and the immediacy and the winner-go-home nature of a Game 7. Top of the fourth, the Braves last night have a 3-2 lead over the Dodgers. 3-2, up a run, man on first and second with no outs. Great opportunity to pad the lead and then listen to what happened next.
2: Here's a pitch. Swing and a ground ball to third. Coming home is Turner and they got Swanson in a rundown. They throw to Smith, back to Turner. Turner puts the tag on the runner. Now a throw to third. They tag Riley,
1: and it's a double play. So Dansby Swanson erased. Austin Riley, who actually had an amazing series as well, erased on that play. Unbelievable. Let's bring in Jessica Mendoza. That could have been a prime opportunity for the Bravos to put more on the board. She joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, ESPN Major League Baseball Analyst, and one of the greatest softball players to ever walk on planet Earth. All right, Jess, what did you make of that crazy scenario there with the Braves having two runners aboard, and in the blink of an eye, they're both off the base paths?
7: That that was the game. I mean, second and third, nobody out. I mean, you just kind of fell. and that's how this series has gone. By the way, this has been the closest game in seven games because one team explodes offensively and just takes the game. You kind of felt like that was the inning for the Braves. And it wasn't even so much Dansby Swanson coming home. By the way, Justin Turner dove, missed his back, and ended up accidentally clipping his cleat to get that first out. It was epic. It was crazy. It was like Superman flying through the air. And then the fact that Austin Riley got thrown out at third, that was the killer. You can't. Have that happen. You talk about mental error, a double play with runners at second and third when you're rallying. That was the difference of the game. That's why the Braves lost.
2: Jessica, we were down 3-1 and we trailed in the seventh, seventh most of the way, but then we figured out how to win the game. How does that help us moving into game one?
7: I mean, it's huge. And you guys get this, both of you. I mean, just the understanding of momentum, confidence, all the things, the fact that they were down. I mean, even Mookie Betts talked post game about. We've never been challenged this year. Like, we've been kicking everyone's tail. There's been no doubt of how good we are until this series. So their backs were against the wall. And you got, I mean, both of you, like, understand, like, when you are tested, true character, true team, like, all of that comes out. And not only excited to be able to win this championship series in the way that they did, but really just understand who they are as a team beyond just talent. What they've got when they were punched in the gut, when they did have to come back, when no one really thought that they had it in them, to win those three games and they did it that says a ton heading into this world series
2: both of our aces and i keep saying we because dodgers but <laughs> i know both a lot dodger, of we's this year jessica both dodger aces basically in in uh walker bueller with the blisters and kershaw with the back have been kind of you know hobbled a little bit throughout the course of the season how is that going to affect us moving into the world series
7: I don't think, I think for Walker Bueller, it's a non factor. You know, seeing him in game six come out after the blister issues in game one and just straight up deal. I mean, that guy, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, is just so good. I am concerned with Clayton Kershaw, but the good news is, Keyshawn, is it isn't about Clayton Kershaw. It isn't all about him anymore. In the past, they ride or died on that arm, on what he could do, and the pressure that he held because of that. And so I feel like this is a different team. We saw Julio Urias. First of all, Clayton Kershaw was in the bullpen in Game 7. He went out there. He had his. He wanted to get in this game somehow, some way. The difference is they didn't need him to get into that game. They have other starters that can come in and be able to pick up between Destin May, Tony Gonsolin, and again, Julio Urias, like, flat out dominated. He was in three innings, nine up, nine down, sit down. That was the closer. They didn't even have to have Kenley Jansen come into this game.
0: Jessica any concerns for the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger considering he popped his shoulder out after making that home run during the celebration you know-
7: it's actually crazy how often that happens. Like, I know it sounds disgusting and crazy, but I don't have any concerns. This is an issue that he's actually dealt with in the past. I've had three or four of my teammates that have had, like, where literally their shoulder could pop out of place, pop it back in. It's not fun. It's not pretty. doesn't feel good. But at the end of the day, it's something that he clearly has had to deal with in the past. He was actually joking about it in the outfield, talking to family members and saying what happened with a smile on his face. So I'm not concerned that. That guy is going to continue to rake and do his thing.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Their offense is so powerful, and this has to go up against the pitching of the Rays. How do these teams match up?
7: You know, exactly that. It it is the pitching of the Rays that they are known for. And if I look at the Dodgers and how they line up just better offensively. So you flip it, okay? So the Dodgers have the pitching. Keyshawn was just asking about how their pitching looks against now the Rays. The Rays win via the long ball. That's how they win games. And if you take out Randy Arena. This team in the championship series hit a buck eighty three. They've one guy that have carried them offensively, and it's really been one way, and that's the long ball. You guys know this. You can't rely on that one thing. As much as we get geeked up, we love the home run. The Dodgers offense is so much more diverse when they aren't hitting for power to be able to get on base, steal bases, and make things happen.
2: Small ball is always the best in my opinion in the postseason. But yes. I need this from you. O- old school. I, I need this from you, Jessica. Who wins? I, that's, that's it. Who wins? Who brings the trophy home? Don't break my heart.
7: I'm from L.A. I mean, it's the Dodgers time. Like, if it's not like, I mean, I love Kirk Gibson. But, like, uncle, uncle on the replays, right? Like, I don't want to see 1988 anymore. Like, I want to see 2020. If it is anyone's time, and the Rays have earned so much, but it is the Dodgers' time to win. Will they actually do it? Who actually knows? But I want this Dodgers team to be able to show everybody how good they've been for the last decade. Yes.
1: He certainly agrees with that. Of course he
7: would.
1: (laughs) It's going to be a great series. We'll see what happens. It's the most unique, unique Season we've had in baseball history and the World Series will start tomorrow Let's night. Let's go Dodgers with the team in its 21st World Series and a team in its second. Keep Jess- killing it, Jessica. <laughs> You're great. Good stuff, Jess. We'll see you throughout the Fall Classic. You got it. That's ESPN's Jessica Mendoza. Keyshawn J. Wilson, have been brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract. No compromise. Still on the way. Key sits down with Ezekiel Elliott. You'll hear the entire interview tonight on Monday Night Countdown, but you'll get a sneak peek next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin.
0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: You could be eating a Dodger dog at Dodger yeah. Stadium, but instead we we'll have to find the best food in Arlington. That's where we'll start A to Z. But you love the Dodger dog.
2: But if you're eating a Dodger dog, make sure that you get the grill one, not the steam one. The steam one, I don't know where they came up with that one at. Gotta it's get the, the grill, grill one. Got to have the onions on it. Got to have the ketchup and the mustard. No kraut. No, no sour You kraut? can, but I Dodger no. dog. You really don't need nothing with a Dodger dog. Okay. Real talk. Okay. You got. You got to just experience it. You. You know.
1: So when fans finally get back to Chavez Ravine next season, hopefully Dodger dogs will be in plenty of supply. Maybe they'll be hanging a banner as you uh, eat yes. a Dodger dog. That'd be a great combination. The Dodgers win the national league yesterday. NLCS game seven, four, three win over the Braves. They win the series four games to three. They're advancing to their 21st world series. They'll take on the Rays and their breakout rookie. Amazing superstar, Randy, a Rosa Uh, Jessica Mendoza, our baseball analyst, talked about him a few moments ago. If you're unfamiliar with the Rays, when you're watching the game tomorrow night or listening on ESPN Radio pregame coverage at 7.30, when you hear the surname of Rosarena, start paying attention. He's been the breakout performer of the playoffs. The San Francisco 49ers breaking out in a big way. People were wondering what's going on with the Niners. Surely they're banged up, but they took care of the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night football 24-16. And now Jimmy G and company head to Foxborough as Jimmy G heads back To see Bill Belichick, that'll be fun. That'll be next Sunday as well. And speaking of fun, poignant, amazing, inspirational, Tua Tungavailoa made his NFL debut yesterday after that dislocated hip, nearly ended his career. He gets in there, completes a couple passes. Jay, this was much more than just a couple of completions in a football game for you watching it.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, when I was coming back, playing with the Nets for a short stint, I remember going into the stadium, the Meadowlands back in the day, and just shooting by myself and just sitting down in the middle of the court just thinking about, I'm so happy that I'm here. I'm And, and actually taking and giving thanks to the fact that the journey, I know there's a lot of journeys and you a comeback story means you have to come back and, and be way better than you were before. But still for Tua, not playing the game in a full year, that image that we saw the other day of him sitting in the middle of the field, right. just with nobody around, just – Appreciation comes to mind for me, and just appreciating the fact that you have a chance to compete at, su- at such a high level in the NFL, regardless of how he's getting there. Right, so it's a lot more to do, but it's a great starting point, and I, I love seeing players show that kind of reflection and awareness.
1: Here, here, I couldn't be uh, in more in sync with you. If you missed it yesterday, uh, the Dolphins win. Tua comes in late; it's a blowout. They're blanking the Jets. And essentially, after the game, where the last drive ended, where he completed that second pass, he sat down on the field, sat down to take some stock, FaceTimed his parents, and said, after that brutal hit at Alabama against Mississippi State that nearly ended his career, put his football future in peril, to be here at this moment as a top-five pick, playing in the NFL, the start of the Tua era in a very small way. Incredible moment. Really appreciate your perspective. And congrats to Tua. The journey, in some ways, is complete. The Dolphins will have a well-deserved bye week next week along with Indianapolis, Minnesota. They could certainly use it, the Vikings, and the Baltimore Ravens. No rest for the weary tonight on Monday Night Football. Bill's Chiefs will talk to the legendary Jim Kelly the Bills' legendary quarterback at nine ten Eastern to get his thoughts on Josh Allen. But tonight in the second game, it'll be the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Keyshawn had a chance to speak with Ezekiel Elliott. You'll hear the full interview tonight on Monday Night Countdown at six Eastern on ESPN. Here's a little snippet where Key asked Ezekiel Elliott about losing Dak Prescott for the remainder of the season. Here,
3: it sucks to lose Dak, our leader. Just got to go out there and play for him.
2: After the game on Sunday, you said you couldn't even gather your thoughts about what happened to Dak Prescott. What's those thoughts now?
3: It just, it really didn't seem real at the time. Uh, You know, kind of even after seeing the injury, it didn't seem real. I went to block right and
2: when I got up, looked over at the ball, he was there on the ground. What did you say to him As he started to leave the field on the court,
3: just that he said, "I got him. We we gonna go out there and play for him. Uh, Do anything we have to do to go win that game."
2: How did you refocus knowing you just lost your leader?
3: Well, all I could think was just, "We gotta score on this drive. We gotta find a way to, you know, get in the end zone." Just felt really weird. Felt weird not being out there before. How's he feeling, Zeke? I mean, obviously in pain, uh, but. No, his spirits are up. Went by his crib a couple times to check on him. Uh, He's been up here the past couple days um, just
2: getting treatment and stuff, so it's been good to see him around the facility. When he went down with the injury, did any thoughts about his contract situation enter your mind at all?
3: That's something that kind of dawned on me later. But, um, I mean, Dak's our quarterback. I think we all know that.
2: Going forward with Andy Dalton at the quarterback position, how confident are you in him that you're gonna accomplish the goals as a team that you set out for at the beginning of the season?
3: Uh, I think I think Andy, he brings confidence that a veteran brings, and that means a lot to everyone in that huddle, that he's been there before. And um, I, I just like the guys that we have around him also. So Zeke, walk me through your hurdles, man. When you're, you're a bigger back like me, Guys like to go low, they like to bite at the angles, try to take you out by your knees. I actually ran hurdles in high school. I never hurdled someone on the football field until like college. The first time it was scary, but like after that, if the opportunity presents itself, it might take flight.
2: <laughs> Zeke, this is my last question for you. What do you think you guys as the Cowboys need to do to separate yourself in the NFC East?
3: Um. We just got to play cleaner football. We got to clean the turnovers up, and we got to go out there and put four clean quarters together. I think that's going to give us our best shot.
1: That's some revealing stuff again. You'll see the entire interview tonight. On Monday Night Countdown, key preceding the Cardinals and the Cowboys on ESPN. Anything else you want to let us know here real quick?
2: No, the Cowboys should win.
0: <laughs> what, what kind of sheen were we using for the hair? It was glowing. Was it fruits and no, berries? No, man, that's the, the lighting. The lighting.
2: Finally got some proper lighting. Ah. You know, unlike, so coming together. unlike here, you know. Yes. They don't really care about our lighting mm. here. Mm. Sometimes we look a little different. <laughs> <laughs> you almost went there. You almost went
0: there, and I'm glad you did not.
1: No, no. Let See, me say, let me save you here. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, on the other side, Kyler Murray, who was 42-0 as a starter, as a high school football legend in Texas, including, by the way, 6-0 at AT&T Stadium. He's never played on Monday Night Football, never been on a stage this big. But 6-0, and 0, that's what you do in high school football. You play at the home of the Cowboys. That's the way it is. He'll look to be perfect tonight. That's on ESPN. Monday Night Double Dip covered on the way with an all-time legend next.
0: Keyshawn, J. Will,
2: and Zubin the podcast.